Thank you very much. Oh, it's uh, good to be together. Do you know, I love it when uh, part of your, your sermon's already been sung or spoken, so that's great, isn't it? We're going to have a bit of reinforcement there. Yeah, we're finishing our series on um, Gifted for Purpose, so if you want to turn in your Bibles uh, to 1 Corinthians 14, we're just going to read one or two verses from there, and then um, we're going to have some thoughts on that. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Verse 12. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Verse Thirty-nine. So, brothers and sisters, earnestly desire to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So, we're looking this morning at uh, pursuing love and earnestly desiring spiritual gifts. So, what does the word pursue mean to you? What are we to make of that? The word means to run after or to strive to attain, um, to chase after someone or something, to follow. So the message this morning that we're considering is about running after or chasing after love and desiring the gifts of the Spirit. But I want to start by turning this on its head. And if you're visiting us today, or you're checking out about Christianity, then this part of the message is particularly for you, because it's crucial in our understanding of the Christian faith. And that is God is love. And God pursues us with his love. God takes the initiative in the relationship. God follows us with his love. And he gives us all an opportunity to respond to his love. God is a father with a perfect love. And he has chosen to love those he has created That is you and me. We are the objects of God's love. And all of us need to be loved, and we are equally loved by God, whoever we are and whatever we've done. You see, the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, chose to separate themselves from the love of God by disobeying and sinning. And we, their descendants, live with the consequences of their choice. We live separated from the love of God. But Jesus came to show us the love of God and demonstrated that by dying on the cross, taking upon himself our sin and our disobedience so that we no longer have to live separated from him and from his love. Romans 5 verse 8 says, God has shown his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So having a relationship with Jesus is not about coming up to a standard. It's not about self-improvement. It's not about joining a club. It's not doing things that are good enough. It's not even about loving your neighbor. It's all about God's love for you and you responding to that love he has for you. We need to hear this message again and again, that we are loved There's not one of us here that God has not pursued with his love. 
I want you to really know that and understand that, that God does love you because he is full of love and has a huge heart of love for you. We had a lovely moment in the worship last Sunday when we were singing, the king loves me and I love the king. The king loves me and I love the king. And we kept singing that over and over. And that was a poignant part of our worship last Sunday. The king loves me. And when we have a relationship with the king, then we're, as Paul says to us, we are to pursue love. So we have these two phrases to consider this morning. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. In fact, I think these two phrases sum up for us uh, the, the three chapters, although they're not at the end. They sum up the three chapters that we've been considering in the last few weeks. These words are powerful and they're evocative. Words of instructing us to do something. They're action words. So Paul in this letter is giving us advice and instruction on how to grow in spiritual gifts and use them for God's purposes. And our aim in this series has been for us to better understand the gifts, discover them and use them every day. So the first thing is to pursue love. I once heard a preacher illustrating pursuing love this way. They had an inkling that a particular young man in the church had eyes for a beautiful young girl in the church. And she was teaching on this text, pursuing love. And what she did was she got the... It was a similar layout to this room. There was room at the front and at the sides and the back. And she got the girl to come out and stand over here. And she got the boy to come and stand over here. And she told the girl to, to run and not let him catch her. So she started running. She told the boy to run after her. It was a bit of a, a naughty setup, really. And I'm not too sure of the outcome of that relationship. <laughs> but she was trying to illustrate that word pursuing. Pursuing means to run after, to strive to attain, to apply yourself, to follow and to chase after. The word pursue is an active word and not passive. It's the same word that's used in Romans 14. Make every effort to do what leads to peace. So to pursue love is something you and I have to focus upon, we have to run after, we put some effort into it, and we have to be active and not passive in it. There's also a sense of being persistent in the meaning of the word, to, to keep pressing in, and a sense of a never-ending action. All the time we're on earth, we are to pursue love and to continue to pursue loving each other in the church, and indeed our neighbours and even those who persecute us. And we really need to understand that pursuing love is not a passive thing. It's not, oh, when the spirit moves, I'll love, or when I've got a nice fuzzy feeling, I'll love, or if I like you, I'll love you. No, it's tough. In John, 1 John 4, it says, we love because he first loved us. Our behavior, see, is transformed because of his love. That's the order of things. We love him because he first loved us and we love others because we have tasted of his love. What were the Corinthian church pursuing? As we've uh, heard in previous weeks, they were following a bit of a selfish agenda at times there in their meetings of worship. It was more about them than God. 
But worship is all about God. It's not about us. The rich among them had little regard for those on low incomes. They were not loving each other as Jesus had commanded them. There seemed to be a lot of self-promotion going on in their meetings. They were somewhat chaotic and people wanting to have their say and they lost their inhibitions. They were talking over each other and it was pretty chaotic. They overused spiritual gifts. They were trying to prove somehow that they were super spiritual. They'd become competitive. You know, and competitiveness in church is a bit ugly and it's unhealthy. They were wanting to build themselves up and not build each other up. And that's the focus. Paul says, no, you've got this wrong. You are a body, as we've been reminded this morning, a family. You are a community of love. We need each other. Don't lord it over each other. Serve each other. Build each other up. That needs to be our motivation. All of us are equally important. There's no important people in the church, in the family of God. We're equally important. And we need to hear that. Using the body illustration from chapter 12 that we looked at, the eye is no more important than the big toe. The eye cannot do what the foot does and vice versa. All of you are equally loved and important to God. All of you have gifts and contributions to bring to the family of God. You are unique in the church family of God and you're needed. And some of us are more unique than others, aren't we? Paul goes on to say at the end of the chapter, do things decently and in order. Decently in order, I, I believe, includes those behaviours that he highlighted in chapter 13. No boasting, no envy, no arrogance, no rudeness, no pride, no selfishness, no resentment or irritability, no anger. One of the worst moments of, of my life going into a meeting to lead was someone had an outburst of anger at me ten minutes before the meeting was to start. And uh, it was personal. And I had to recover to worship with that brother. Those things are not decent and in order. Be loving, patient, and kind with one another. They are indeed the fruit of the Spirit and a sign of our immersion, our baptism in the Spirit. There are times, if we're honest, when we are out of sorts with each other. And you know, I've done it. I've tried to pray when I've been out of sorts with my brother and the prayer might have sounded okay, but inside it wasn't okay. Yeah, those things are so important in our worship together. Decently and in order is not about being religious or ritualistic. You know, we have freedom to worship and express our love for Jesus in many ways. Rich amused us last week painting that picture, didn't he, of him breakdancing. You know, in worship, there's a right time to dance. Some of you old New Frontiers will remember the, the New Frontiers pogo. David danced before the Lord. We can dance, we can worship God in many ways and express ourselves for love in very free ways. I was trying to think of an example of, of this and I was thinking of um, motorways. You know, if you've got no lane markings in, on motorways... 
There's, there's chaos, you know, there's rules of the road, there's white lines and signs and lane discipline and, you know, everyone driving wherever they want is just chaos, isn't it? We have the highway code, you know, so that traffic moves smoothly and we don't get caught in jams and all the rest of it. Decently in order. You know, we have freedom to travel in worship at a speed that we want to, but in an atmosphere of order and safety. I say this because I too had a, a banner incident. Rich mentioned a banner incident last week. I thought I was going to lose an eye or have a head injury from someone with a waving a banner furiously in front of me at one time. We're free to do that, but come on, let's, <laughs> let's be sensitive to others around us. You can cartwheel if you want, but don't take the row out in front of you, will you, when you do it? Come on, let's be sensible. Yeah, we can, we can dance. We have freedom to worship God in, in many ways. Um, but let's be sensitive and loving and, yeah, honouring of others around us. You know, there are times when worship in the Spirit is in absolute silence and you can hear a pin drop and it's wonderful. There's times when it's appropriate to be very loud and noisy and roaring and moaning and groaning and crying hallelujah. It's being appropriate of what's happening at the time, isn't it? The point of worship is being together in the context of pursuing love for God and loving each other. We love the king and the king loves us. Worship, you see, is affected by self-seeking and attention-seeking and self-promoting, unforgiveness and broken relationships. You know, when we're not in right relationships with each other, when there's issues between us, we need to sort them out. Otherwise, we sound like out-of-tune instruments. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> All through... Chapter 13, Paul is emphasizing the importance of love. And this is Paul's position with the gifts of the Spirit. Pursue love. The first thing is to pursue love, to run after it, to press in for it. You know, one day the gifts won't be necessary when Jesus returns. But while he, we're waiting for him, we are to pursue love because love remains. There was a young man that came to our church and um, he was, uh, he was uh, a very, very shy young man and he, he, was, he had a working, a physical job and he, he came into the church very nervous and, you know, he was surrounded by the love of the people in the church and he blossomed and he began to pray and even to prophesy and that happened because he was in the context of being loved. You know, the gifts of the Spirit flourish in the atmosphere of love. Where brothers and sisters dwell in unity, yeah, the, the gifts are poured out. So the second thing is then to eagerly or earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Another boy-girl relationship that I was reminded of uh, recently uh, after one meeting, a very distressed young man came up to me and said, oh, I really like this particular girl. Um, she's on my heart. I'm trying to go out with her. I think, she's, and I think I might be in love with her. She's very beautiful. And one day she wants me, and another day she seems to not 
want me and it's ripping me apart inside and I don't know what to do. And Anyway, we prayed and um, nothing to do with me, but um, some, someone had a, a word with the young girl and said, come on, either you want this bloke or you don't. Don't be messing about. That's desire. You know, de- to desire someone, to wish and long and to crave after, to be zealous for, to be jealous for in the right sense. just want to ask you this morning, do you desire spiritual gifts? Do you eagerly desire spiritual gifts? Are you longing for them, craving for them, zealous for them? Over this series, um, we've been, have you been seeking God seriously about the gifts of the Spirit? Or are you somehow indifferent, too busy, maybe later, not now? Or maybe if it happens, it will happen. David in Psalm 132 speaks of his desire for a place of worship for God. He was wanting to build a temple for God, for God's presence to dwell in. And he says, I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I will, uh, I will allow no sleep to my eyes, no slumber to my eyelids till I find a place for the Lord's dwelling, for the mighty one. He was desperate, wasn't he? That's desire. That's desire. If we're serious about our relationship with God, wanting to see the kingdom come, for the church to grow, for the poor to be released out of poverty, for injustices to be righted, to see a mighty army of God rise up, to see an end-time harvest of people coming to know Jesus, then I would suggest we need the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. They are 100% essential. They are given to the church to help us fulfill the great commission. Jesus said to the first disciples, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Why was this? It was to empower them to spread the good news of God's love and to help build the kingdom. As I said in the previous message, the gifts of the Spirit are like a tool belt. Uh, Do you remember I brought a tool belt and put it on? And the gifts of the Spirit are like a tool belt. You know, they're, they're there for us, and we take out the tool that we need. They're ready for us to use as situations arise, whether we're conscious of using them or not. And our Father is a good Father. He gives good gifts to his children. So we don't need to stress about them, but we do need to desire them. And of course, there are seasons of waiting and longing and hungering, and that's part of the journey, that's part of the preparation for us but you've noticed I've noticed some very strange ideas about spiritual gifts at times the gifts of the spirit are not for super spiritual saints whoever they may be they sound like a football team actually don't they the super saints don't exist we are all children we're all sons and daughters you know, there can be pride and super spirituality around the gifts, and that is wrong. I remember a long time ago, I was with a mate, and we'd been to a prayer meeting, and we were, we were going home and uh, giving a lady a lift home, and uh, it was raining hard, and the windscreen wipers were going like this, and this lady went, ooh, and what's going on? She said, oh, the windscreen wipers are talking to me. She literally said it like that. Now, of course, God can speak to you through the windscreen wipers. But my mate's, 
My mate's response was, no, they're just clearing the rain, dear. You know, we need to be... Oh, you know what I mean, don't you? The gifts are not weird and, and in that way. And it's so natural and normal for us to lay hands on the sick to pray for them and to command healing, to, to speak in tongues, to interpret, to have words of knowledge. This is normal Christianity. You know, when we're immersed in the Spirit, we have that tool belt and are able to use the gifts of the Spirit, all of them. Paul says in verse 31 of chapter 14, for you can all prophesy one by one so that you may learn and be encouraged. And if we're in a situation that needs gifts from the Spirit, then our good Father will give them to us. He releases that authority to us, not to serve ourselves, but to serve others. In Colossians 1, it says this, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving thanks joyfully to the Father. And this is it. Who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people? You are qualified to receive the gifts of the Spirit. Say to your neighbor, I am qualified to give with the gifts of the Spirit. We are. We're immersed in the Spirit. We live in the vine, don't we? We are connected. And so we can use the gifts of the Spirit. Let's desire them more. Although in this passage Paul is addressing the use of the gifts of the Spirit in the church, um, you can experience the use of the gifts of the Spirit in other situations as well, in normal life situations. When I was um, uh, in living in London, I had a flat just before I moved to East Sussex, and I had a shower put in. And uh, this shower never worked from day one properly. Um, I'd be in the shower, all lathered up, and the shower would go off. And it's really annoying, isn't it? Yes. And I had the, the plumber back numerous times, um, and he couldn't sort the problem. I was telling a friend of mine who's... Uh, a real handyman and knows a lot about all sorts of things. And he said, well, let me have a look at it. And he had a look at it and he couldn't sort it. And we contacted the manufacturer. The pump went back and it still wasn't sorted. And this was going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was a little frustrated and obviously getting smellier. No, I did. I did not. Um, and I woke up one morning and I had an idea. Now, I don't know anything about plumbing. All I know is that water goes down pipes and if there's a leak, you get wet on your floor or your ceiling. You know, it's about the understanding that I have of plumbing. Um, but I had this idea and I said this idea to my friend and he said, oh, that might, might work. And he contacted the manufacturer and they said, yeah, give it a try. I think that'll work. And it worked. That was beyond my wisdom. That was beyond my knowledge. You know, the Holy Spirit is there to, to, to give us gifts and to help us in all sorts of situations. In Exodus 31, we read about a man called Bezalel, who is described as a man filled with the Spirit of God. He was a skilled craftsman, and he was empowered by God with a whole range of different uh, abilities. He made artistic designs in gold and silver and bronze. Uh, he cut and set precious stones, he worked with wood and created all sorts of beautiful furnishings for the temple. The Holy Spirit 
empowered his creativity. Now, we are specifically told that he was filled with the Spirit for this purpose. I don't think for one moment that he was totally unskilled in crafts before he was empowered by the Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit came and empowered the gifts that he already had. You see, the Holy Spirit empowers us with natural gifts, but gives them a supernatural edge when we're his children. I'll give you an example of this. Um, with speaking in tongues, I can say shabba and you won't understand what I'm talking about at all. In fact, we, we sung language we didn't understand this morning, didn't we? You all have the ability to make little sounds that you don't understand. <laughs> the Holy Spirit empowers us and we can speak in tongues. He empowers what we can naturally do and we can speak in tongues. And, uh, you know, you can, you can think of other gifts of the Spirit in, in, a, in a similar way. He comes and empowers that which we may or may not be able to do naturally. So, you are gifted for purpose. That's what we've been looking at. Let's therefore take Paul's injunction really seriously. Let's earnestly and eagerly desire gifts while pursuing love for the church because the gifts of the Spirit flourish in an atmosphere of love. Can you come back, Mike, please? Yeah. I want to finish, though, with turning it on its head again. Because really, the, the first thing is to pursue the giver and not the gift. And as I want to just to encourage us this morning all to think about, again, pursuing God. Jesus said, blessed are you who are hungry now for God, not for your dinner that's coming. Blessed are you who are hungry now for God, for you shall be satisfied. A few weeks ago, um, I witnessed an outdoor water baptism beside a lake. And the young lady who was giving her testimony said the usual thing uh, why she was being baptized. And then she went on to say something like this, I'm also surrendering everything I have to Jesus. I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering my heart, my body, my emotions. I'm giving it all to him. And you know, those words challenged me afresh because, you know, I've surrendered my life a number of times to God, uh, re-surrendering uh, my life to God. And it challenged me again, is, is everything surrendered to God? Is Jesus really the center of everything that I am? Do I constantly surrender to him? Do I live that surrendered life? Or do I chase after other things? Do I pursue other things? Maybe not in wrong themselves, but do I chase after other things? Do I desire other things? Or is my central pursuit for God? So I want to challenge us all this morning. I want to encourage us all to, to do that. I just sense that's what God wants to do with us this morning for us to come before him and declare afresh, yes, I want you, I want you, I want to pursue you with everything that I have and everything that I am. I want to say yes to the king.
to pursue the lover of my soul. This may be the first time that you've done that, and I encourage you to do that, and I will pray uh, a prayer for you. But I want us all, uh, if you want to uh, just show um, your commitment again to Jesus and your determination to pursue him, to pursue the lover of your soul, I just want to invite you to stand and we'll pray together. This is not to show everybody else, but it's before him. It's a serious moment. It's a holy moment before him. And if this is your, your first time you've done this, I'll just pray, and you might want to just echo this prayer in your mind, or you might want to speak it under your breath. If you first, for the first time, want to give your life to Jesus, then you just say this to him now. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. Thank you that you came to earth to die on a cross to show your love for me. Thank you that your death removes all my sin. And I confess my sin and turn from my sin and turn towards you. I receive your love now. Help me to pursue you, Lord Jesus. Amen. So for all of us now, let's, let's just make Jesus the center. Just uh, make that choice in your heart that you're going to pursue him with everything you have, with your body, your mind, everything he's given you, your emotions, surrender to him, the pursuit of God. I did sense that there might be a, a, a man here who's in two minds and I just sense that God is just saying to you, it's time to stop playing games. It's time to stop playing games. Set the course of your life in the direction of Jesus. Pursue him. Come back to the king. Yes, Lord, and I just want to break off um, uh, apathy and coolness and lukewarmness uh, from the body of us here today. Lord, I just want to break off weariness and hopelessness and fear and indifference and apathy. We tell them to go in Jesus' name, that we are released to pursue Jesus with everything that we have. We're free to run after him. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much that uh, you've called us to live in Christ and we want to fully live in him. We want to fully live in the vine. And thank you so much that you've given us gifts for that purpose. And we follow you today, Lord Jesus. Amen.